Welcome to the video podcast, Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed, where truth and unity matter. Take the deep dive with highly influential voices in and around the 9-11 truth movement. Welcome, everybody, back to Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed. I'm feeling feeling really unleashed today. You're not going to believe the swath of 9-11 truth activists that we are bringing all together for this roundtable discussion on what really works, what is 9-11 Truth Action Project. What is the 9-11 Truth Booth? We've got a lot to share, and we've got six guests. I've never had six guests before. Let's just start with one. That's my wonderful wife and assistant, Ms. Gail Gage. Gail! Hello, everybody. We are happening now. Mm-hmm. This is big time. I mean, how often do you get to interview six guests at a time? Well, we're going to stagger them, aren't we? Yeah, it's a first for me. But yes, very exciting. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Well, um, uh, so I know you've got some announcements first before we bring on our wonderful guests. Uh, tell us what's happening here at Richard Gage Nine Eleven Unleashed. First, let me tell you that. Gail is full-time in the home office. Thanks to the incredible support we've received, we've taken the calculated risk to bring Gail home so she could work not eight hours on nights and weekends, but 15 (laughs) hours a day, because that's what it takes, we're finding, just to keep up with the social media, right, Gail? Yes, yes. It's an amazing time, though. I'm having so much fun. Yes, it's wonderful to be home at the home office to be able to work full time. Totally. Yes. Well, great. What are you working on? All right. So we have um, just a little bit of news from uh, before today. Uh, we had last week Scott Bennett on a mm-hmm. podcast, our last podcast. Was awesome. Yes, he uh, his was on what can a U.S. Army psychological operations officer teach us about the 9-11 PSYOP. It was awesome. Really, really good podcast. They all are really um, and then before that, we had Massimo Mazuka on September 11th, New Pearl Harbor, the documentary that he made. Yeah, so and that really is a cool. five-hour documentary that you guys can watch free on YouTube and is so highly recommended. It goes into the yeah. Pentagon, the hijackers, the planes, the World Trade Center. He just rips apart the debunkers piece by mm-hmm. piece. And, and uh, NIST, of course, regarding the World Trade Center. What yeah, he sure does. No, it's okay. I love it when you expound and uh, go in detail. Uh, the next podcast we have is coming up is going to be Ray McGinnis. He's the author of Unanswered Questions. He interviewed all, well, many of the family members of the 9-11 victims. And he yeah. found out that their questions were not even asked, much less answered by the 9-11 Commission. So we've got some real inside scoop uh, coming up on Ray. That's next week, right? Yes, it is. And also we have, uh, Richard's been really busy with interviews and there's a lot of interviews coming up. So 
Um, tomorrow we have Truthzilla interview. Um, and then Thursday is Sam with Cons Conspiracy Social Club, part two. Um, they did an interview for part one last week. And then Zach on Wait, Friday. That was, that was riotous. I mean, when this link is available yeah. for part one, we had an on-air debate with Sam yeah. Tripoli's partner, bro a co-host, Brian. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're just going at each other back and <laughs> forth. I got as much evidence out as I could, and he just tried to interrupt me with the most lame excuses for answers <laughs> to the 9-11 truth evidence. Uh, so I'm going to put that out. It's, we don't have the link yet, yeah. but I'm going to put it on the website, Gail. we got to write an yes. article about Sam Tripoli. Let's make sure yes. that we uh, we do that. I interrupted you. Zach is coming up too. Tell us about Yes, that. Zach Redpill. He is on Friday. So he's... Um, Redpill well, 78. Yes, Redpill yeah. 78. And then next week, of course, is his big interview with Anarcha Poco. That, and his specific interview is on Monday. But those of you that can join live stream, you can get the tickets online, Anarcha Poco 2022. You can also go to our website where there's information about the whole week's worth of uh, guests. And you can go there to... Um, check out the guest speakers because there's a ton of really good, well-known, like internationally known speakers. So that's going to be an exciting week. Always. Well, it sure is. And uh, Anarchapulco is a conference where this is our second time being invited back there. Online, there will be tens of thousands of viewers. So you don't want to miss this. This is a big deal. Yes. Um, we'll be in Mexico. We're leaving Saturday. Uh, we'll be presenting uh, to the, the crowd there. Uh, but if you can't go to Mexico, be sure to get those tickets, as Gail mentioned. Uh, yes. this, this is, these are not the black uh, clothed violent anarchists that no. destroyed Kenosha, for instance. Uh, the, these are freedom loving people that want the government off their back. Um, and uh, it's a consciousness raising experience. Let me put it that mm -hmm. way. Uh, it, 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 the, I won't go on about it. We don't have time. But what else is happening, Gail? One last thing is the webinar. We had webinar 9-11, um, uh, an architect's guide, uh, World Trade Center Building 7, part one. And then tomorrow we have part two, which is um, the Twin Towers Explosive Destruction. So yep. Don't Every month we have three webinars. Yes. We put it out there. Yeah. So uh, you've got the evidence for free on YouTube. You can just go and take it and share it. That's why we need your support, by the way. Everything's free. <laughs> so so do uh, sign up at our website, richardgage911.org. Yeah. And next week, we are promoting the conference series called 9-11-Con. Yes. We start March 19th with the Pentagon all day online conference you can watch it while you're driving you can watch it while you're babysitting you can watch it while you're cooking but watch it because we're going to have the three major researchers in the 9-11 truth movement right now uh david chandler barbara honiger and craig mckee all 
presenting sequentially in one and a half hour segments with questions taken from the other two major researchers. And then you're going to be writing your questions down. We got two hours at the end of all of that. It ends at 8.30 in the, in the, in the evening, starts at 10 a.m. We'll be promoting it uh, within a few days. So stay tuned. It's going to be one of the most exciting things I've ever done personally. And I think really good for the 9-11 Truth Movement as we try to uh, find out if there's any chance of consensus on this divisive issue for the movement. What do you think, Gail? Oh, I cannot wait. We were looking over the app last night and the program and the scheduling. And it's really, really um, high. It's it's good quality. It's mm-hmm. you know going to be something you're definitely not going to want to miss. You guys are going to be able to connect with each other, too. This isn't about mm-hmm. us giving you information only. It's yeah, about exactly. the 9-11 Truth Movement coming together because that's the missing link. That's what yeah. our guests today are are going to be talking about. You know, how the 9-11 Truth Movement comes together and fashions a message that's palatable and effective in in waking up the sleeping American public and all around the world. With that said, Gail, why don't we bring in a few of our guests? Yes. Let's start with Mr. Matt Van Slyke and also uh, to his his right, (laughs) (laughs) Our wonderful guests, uh, Matt Van Slyke and Bill Jacoby. These are the guys that have been making things happen so big time uh, on the East Coast well, and in Florida. Matt's down in Florida, and uh, he, he uh, has fashioned together, along with help from the, the, the 9-11 Truth Action Project, uh, an incredible opportunity to wake up American people is going to be telling us all about that. And then at the 30,000 foot level, uh, we've got um, uh, the founder and, and uh, board member of the nine 11 truth action project, Mr. Bill Jacoby. Hello, Bill. Hey there, Richard. Good to be with you. And hello, Matt. Hello, Richard. Hello, Gail. Hello. You time. Hi. <laughs> Now, so that we can let Gail uh, do her job, which she just loves to do, um, mm-hmm. she's going to be collecting questions for you guys. So uh, now how, how does that work with our viewers, uh, Gail, before we start with Matt and Bill? So on the social media platforms, Facebook and LinkedIn, I believe, and YouTube, underneath the video, there's the section for comments. Put your questions in there because I see them pop up on my screen. And I'll copy and paste them over to where we can ask our guests these questions and get them answered for you. So, yes. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, you can say hi to Gail over there, too. She, she loves to connect with, with our viewers. And with that said, uh, you've got a lot of work to do, right, Gail? I sure do. And we'll see you uh, in an hour and or so. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be coming back with uh, all of those questions from you guys. All right. Thank you. Great job, Gail. See you soon. All right. I've got Matt Van Slyke here. I've got Bill here. Matt, what is the need of the hour? Why do we have to wake people up and how are we going to do it? Let's start the discussion and Bill, chime in as you wish. 
Well, it, it, it comes from, um, frankly, a gentleman in um, Oregon, he put up a truth booth. He, and when I saw it, I just said, that's it. Because I was drawn to it like a mag magnet filing. Uh-huh. And it, not because it was a beautiful thing, just because of what it said. Well, what what is a truth booth and who is this gentleman in Portland who who invented it? Well, he, he had the concept originally, Dave Fura, back in uh, 2018. I know, Dave. Sure. And then uh, when I saw it, I just figured, and, and Bill agreed, and others as well, that we could develop our own program or project based on that concept. We'll just make it nationwide. Well, what is it we're talking about very specifically? It's a, well, it's, it's a, a, a frame with a canopy on it. It's a tent. Oh. Okay. Like, like you see in uh, trade shows or field days. So it's a, it's, a can, it's a 10 by 10, and we have them in uh, black or white. We've developed uh, designed banners that attach to uh, the, the actual canopies. So before you go into even more detail, now we know it's a tent. What happens with this tent? Where does it get put? And I think we have some pictures in a moment we'll put together. But just the overall concept, uh, this tent goes where and does what? Well, you, you, you find a place that's on public ground. It has a lot of foot traffic. University campuses are, are really good examples. Uh-huh. Any state-run university um, you're going to have easy uh, an easy time by contacting first the attorneys, uh, uh, the, the campus employee attorneys, because they understand that we have the right to assemble. Instead of trying, to, that, that, so you just go straight to the heartbeat of, of the issue, and we've never had any problem so far. So good. Wow, that's a, that's a suggestion. Or it looks other- like it attracts people. Um- so you're, it's like fishing, right? You're in a public place, and and people see the signs, and they they really do stop by, huh? Yeah, yeah. and they, they, get, they get hooked on a feeling. What? I'm just, you know, trying to follow up with your fish analogy. But... <laughs> they hooked on a what? They, they get hooked on a feeling. A feeling? What what kind of feelings are they hooking on? Well, that's a good, great question because um, people are going to have different reactions when they see the logo and they see that it's 9-11 some people are going to run away but these days it's changed a lot in the last five years as you as you i'm sure you know um people who are marginal and but we're, we're mainly looking for those who are already on board and they see a place where they can find a home if you would well, they look like they're quite at home here yeah that's inside of uh, the boston booth that's another nice little benefit is that you get protection from the rain if it happens to rain on the outside. <laughs> Good point. You bring them in out of the rain and you sell them what? Well, we, they don't tra- we don't transact unless they want to donate, which is fine. Um, but behind those ladies, you see the, those individual sheets that are hanging in, in, in sheet protectors. Uh-huh. And those are the exhibits Okay. from the lawyers committee. From their petition. The Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry um, submitted a 60-exhibit petition two years ago. Um, I'm one of the plaintiffs, if you will. Um, 
And uh, that information is all the evidence that uh, that I've been working on collecting for 15 years now right. over at AE911 Truth, where I formerly was the CEO, uh, but now we're uh, unleashed and expanding. Um, so this does look like a, a great opportunity to talk to people. Um, what kinds of experiences uh, have you been having? Well, the, the feedback has been great from the, from the field, from the people. Um, we were a little concerned about some rowdyism or some un, un, un <laughs> happening, you know, but it, it hasn't happened. People are coming up and they're saying, thank you, whether they're left wing, right wing or in the center. It's, uh -huh. it's really this. Our issue rises above politics. You know, it's really about civics. And so we come from a civics service point of view. This is great. Well, let's 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 take that and 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 move up to the thirty thousand foot view, uh, and by bringing in the founder and board member of Nine Eleven Truth Action Project, uh, Mr. Bill Jacoby, who's uh, of course here too. We'll go into the details of the Truth Booth uh, in a minute, but let's really try to understand what it is we're talking about. And, and maybe, Bill, if you don't mind, uh, why is 9-11 still relevant, first of all? Sure. I mean, it was 20 years ago. Come on, people. Can't mm -hmm. you let something go? <laughs> Some of us can't let go, can we? Um, I can't. That's for sure. The, uh, the Truth Booth is a tangible, high-visibility project that – uh, Truth Action Project initiated. And by the way, we'll come back to this, but we've actually uh, modified our name to be Truth Action Project for the reasons which go to the question that you just posed, and which I'll speak to in a second. Yeah. Um, we uh, s believed that, when, well, first of all, you know, Richard, you and I became acquainted when I was volunteering for, for um, nine, for, uh, uh, the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Yeah. And uh, it was a great experience, and uh, I was very happy to be doing it and still have never wavered in my support for what the organization is trying to do. What personally um, most uh, kind of captivated me about the problem, though, was perhaps because I'm not a, an architect or a physicist, were the aspects of it having to do with the cover-up. Uh, I came from a more of a social service background, as a social science background, I meant to say. And I was very interested in the question of how um, how something so obviously false, which you more than anyone has helped to um, make clear to those who inquire, how something so obviously false could have been so universally imposed on our mind across the country, not universally, but so so broadly, how the all, the false version could be so authoritative and could have persisted so long without being uh, thrown in the rubbish heap completely. And that got us into areas of propaganda and the question of who and how. And while we don't seek, to, we don't have definitive answers about these things, the bigger question is um, uh, what this meant for us in our life and uh, what we were called upon to do in response to it. And it seemed to me there were several things we needed to do. One was what architects and engineers was doing, which was to confront the science, you know, the false story with, with valid science. Another thing 
was undertaken by another group I helped to form, which was the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry, which was to challenge the official official um, narrative in the courts, uh, and that evolved into a strong partnership between architects and engineers at the Lawyers Committee, which is ongoing, and I know you've addressed that in other um, broadcasts. The third thing was it became pretty apparent immediately that um, the false narrative could only be sustained uh, through uh, a uh, through a mastery of mind control and propaganda, which has a scientific side to it, but which is different from physics and architecture. So the question then became, how do we build a, 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 um, a grassroots base which could address the power implications of the 9-11 cover-up? And the Truth Booth is a, a tangible um, act or a set of actions which local groups can undertake as they start the process of building um, cohesive local groups which are empowered to act uh, locally, but are connected in order to act nationally. So that's how we got started. That's what the where the truth booth fits into the plan. And um, we think that this is a complementary and a necessary complement to what uh, the two other organizations have done and to the efforts of courageous independent voices like yourself to keep attention focused on 9-11 um, now 20 years out. Yes. So um, how you mentioned that uh, there's a morphing going on here with the 9-11 Truth Action Project, which is now just the Truth Action Project. Right. Um, Tell us uh, just more about that. Sure. Um, When I was when I was young, uh, my I I had some uh, formative experiences in mass community organization. Uh, I had the privilege to be uh, involved as a college student in the civil rights movement in the South, what we call the freedom movement. Uh, We should not lose track that the civil rights movement called itself the freedom movement at the time. So it resonates in the future, in the present. But also I I, I was old enough, I am old enough to have heard John F. Kennedy campaigning for office and he inspired me to join the Peace Corps. So I had some experience in Latin America in mass organizing uh, around a movement that had to do basically with the formation of some of the biggest cities in the world today through direct action by squatter settlement residents to form cities. So I had some inkling of what it takes to mobilize large numbers of people to bring about significant change. And I guess I just want to underscore that phrase that the response I think we should all have to 9-11 truth is immediately that it requires that there be change in our society. And we have to ask, how can we be agents of that change? And what does it mean to what kind of change are we talking about? So um, from those lessons, those early lessons or perceptions that I had in my in those experiences, I perceived that we need to if you want to mobilize people, it has to be around something which is a deeply felt need, an urgent issue for them in their daily lives. And unfortunately, because of the success of the propaganda that we faced about 9-11, in that sense, I can say 9-11 has receded into history. But in another sense, it has not. And that's the sense that we're trying to work on. We believe that um, 
in some of the issues which are starting to mobilize people now, which are galvanizing the world's attention, such as the truckers' convoy up in in Canada and the mass mobilizations which have been taking place in, in, in Europe, we see a direct connection in the revolt that we're seeing among people who are now being directly and personally impacted by um, uh, policies derived secretly, covertly, uh, and imposed with propaganda. We see a connection in their history, in their origin, in their in their organizational um, genesis. And so we believe that it's important to connect this quest for transparency and justice and change to some of these current movements. Uh, one such organization uh, that's focused on medical freedom, for example, quickly got a, a million supporters in the course of one year. There are probably at least three or four organizations now which are up in the six million range in terms of how many that they reach. And while they are motivated now primarily by issues connected to the medical freedom movement, they are, as they seek to understand those issues, they are delving towards the roots, which we think 9-11 best exposed. So to answer your question concretely, uh, we think that it's very important to people who are involved in current movements which have attracted large degrees of participation for us to participate along with them in these contemporary struggles which are affecting their daily lives. It's those effects which have moved, moved them into the streets. But to do it in such a way that as brothers and sisters in those struggles, we help to make sure that they become fully cognizant of uh, the origins of their challenge in 9-11. So uh, it was 9-11, the, the ability to, to have concocted a false narrative and to have imposed it says a great deal about how uh, vaccines without strong track records with inadequate research could be imposed uh, 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 as a requirement on people all over the world. Uh, it says a lot about how issues of election integrity, which, for example, which had surfaced since the year 2000 in almost every presidential election, could be so completely uh, suppressed and and, um, and, uh, and and disguised. And so there is there are common elements here. So see, simply put, we seek to engage people who are in the streets now because they know about activism. They have networks. We hope to become an educational force within them. And the means to do that is to ally ourselves with them, to help them in those struggles, and then uh, assist them in part by sharing with them what we have learned about the 9-11 Truth Movement and how it illuminates and deepens their understanding of the challenge that they know that they're facing now. So how do you attract people like Matt Van Slyke and uh, Chuck Fall? and Mike Atkinson and Ziola Moon and Trina Maria, who are our guests today. We'll ask, we'll let them answer that question, but what sure. is, how, what is, what do you put out in order to gather people and how many people have you gathered and what are right. they doing? Sure. First, it's important to say that a truism, a trite statement that the world has been changing, right? When uh, you and I first met back around 2015 or so, uh, the COVID issue didn't appear. Uh, the election fraud issue had not really reemerged. It had emerged and then been submerged again. Uh, other issues were in the background. 
Um, and so we could think about and frame a movement completely in terms of 9-11, which is why we called ourselves the 9-11 Truth Action Project. These other movements that I have been talking about have emerged since, and we've seen how they are capturing the attention of either the world or bigger segments of the world than uh, are currently in the streets for 9-11. You and we have struggled to get large attendance at events in New York City, for example, focused entirely on 9-11. So what we are finding uh, is what I remember hearing from particularly just to exemplify it, one of our diehard 9-11 Truth members in the, the Massachusetts area. I asked her basically a question like yours, and she said, we came to, to the medical freedom movement kind of independently, but we did it because we had been educated about 9-11 truth and we're finding many people are engaged in uh, medical freedom move act act activism. And it's their first experience with activism. And But that experience has made them open to 9-11 truth in a way that they never were before. You know, there's this question, how could the government do something so evil? We don't believe 9-11 truth because the government can never be so bad and it could never uh, cover up something. Somebody would have talked, right? Yeah. But it turns out that there are other things which the government has done, which are actually pretty big, pretty big evils. And they have been able to cover up a huge amount. And the more people are delving into the, the, the itch that they most need to scratch, the more those psychological impediments to understanding the science of 9-11 get um, eroded because all of a sudden it becomes apparent that those uh, those things which put blinders on people's minds, which made them reject the science of involved in controlled demolition, that those, those psychological blinders get taken away and all of a sudden uh, they can actually confront the evidence as they've been trying to do with things like vaccines, for example. Uh, helpful. Yeah. So how many people uh, are involved uh, with uh, TAP? We don't have a lot. Of, we, we, we haven't concentrated on numbers yet. We've been going through a process, probably not unlike what you and Gail have been going through as you build Richard Gage uh, uh, Unleashed. <laughs> it's an all over again. And uh, I think both of us, to some extent, and us particularly, given what I've just said, realize that it's, it's a different ballgame. We don't want to repeat or just duplicate what other important forces in the world are doing. We want to add value. And we have come to learn that the experience that I was relating to earlier from my youth in the 60s is, oh, I, I, I knew this was the case. That is not the perfect pathway to be following now because so much has changed. There is a lot in the electronic sphere, in the technology sphere, in the redefinition of community uh, into virtual communities and online communities that needed to be learned and needed to be assimilated into the strategy. So we're basically in the process of planning a systematic uh, relaunch, which um, incorporates that kind of knowledge, which we've gleaned from younger members that have come in, people who aren't old fogies like me. And uh, we are trying to learn how to do this right and better. Uh, it needs to be a unified approach. There's five or six things which have to happen simultaneously. So we're not really um, in, uh, we, there's a launch which is waiting, which will actually bring in those numbers. And we've been holding off from a premature launch. And um, 
But in the meantime, we have, over the past year, several years, attracted a core group from around the country. I think you've seen the folks you're going to have on this show. We've got people from Oregon, from California, from Mississippi, from Florida, from Chicago, from St. Louis, from New York, from Montreal. You've interviewed our, our board member, Sandra Jelme, before. Um, so, um, and she has ties to uh, even European Truth Action Projects. So, as we develop the sophistication we need for that big rollout, I think you'll see some movement. But frankly, what we're trying to do is far beyond anything we have the capability or even the awareness to be able to do a couple of years ago. And last thing I'll say on that is, well, I said before that we don't want to replicate what others are doing. One of our goals is to contribute, and this has been in our materials for some years now, is to contribute to the ascendancy of truth-friendly media. And what does that mean? It means that we're not going to be, truth, the Truth Action Project doesn't aim to be the truth-friendly media. Uh, even if we wanted to be and if we had capability, it's a contradiction because there shouldn't be one source. Pravda meant truth in Russia. It means truth in Russian, and nobody thought that Pravda was the source of truth. What a truth, what is the ascendancy of truth-friendly media means is that there's a wide range of media and commentary and free inquiry. So we have the paradox today that there are um, we have the most controlled media you can ever imagine, practically, and we also have the freest media. And you're a part of that free media. So as we gather steam, we see that. If we did nothing but really contribute to the ascendancy of truth-friendly media, we would accomplish a great deal. And that means helping uh, those tr truth-friendly voices, those independent voices like yours, um, gain a big, accelerate the gaining of market share so that um, the old media just gets completely stamped obsolete and uh, is utterly and completely replaced so we can have the base, basic free dialogue which is needed for a free society. Thank you, Bill. Uh, and Matt, um, what drew you to the uh, Truth Action Project? And uh, what have uh, what was your background uh, prior to that? You're on mute, Matt. You're on mute, Matt. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> yeah, um, my background uh, in business has been 40 years of sales and marketing. Um, what, what drew me to TAP was, um, well, I was there, I was actually with A&E. Uh, I, I don't think we, we spoke when I was there uh, virtually. I hadn't met anybody in person except for one gentleman uh, who lived nearby. Um, what drew me to, to A&E slash the future TAP is my sense of fairness um, was, was violated uh, on 9-11, and I'm sure everyone else felt great offense and uh, other emotions. I mean, I found out, the way I found out personally was I ran into about the 1200th or 1300th uh, uh, engineer or architect uh, who was on board with you. And I was visiting a friend of Florida and he told me what uh, about the truth. And I, I felt like I was hollow, hollowed out, an empty vessel for a couple of weeks. I mean, I, I just, my entire, uh, you know, faith in, the, in, 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 in humanity was de destroyed, uh, finding out. And that, that's one of the reasons that, you know, people hesitate. They, don't, they really don't want to go through that. They, they know deep down that it's, it's put something wrong. But that's when, that's when you know, truth is, is wonderful because our approach is not to approach people. 
our approach is to actually not even be in the booth. We want people to go up on their own initiative and feel comfortable just walking in and taking a look. And if it looks like they want help, we'll go in and help them. But we want to be really sensitive to how, how people are churning their emotions um, by while they're approaching. On the other hand, um, we'll really be engaged with other people who are already on board, but they just couldn't find a place to go. Gotcha. Well, what, 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 kind, what is the range of activities that you've seen accomplished uh, in the, in the nine 11 uh, in, in the truth action project? Well, I can speak to that a little bit. Uh, as I say, we're, 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 kind of controlling and coordinating the rollout of these things. But we are working on some unique kinds of um, uh, webinar content, which will be highly supportive of the organizing effort that we just described. Uh, it's taken us a while to reformulate the message for a, a, a new website. And we now have people on board who are starting to produce that. Chuck Paul is one who will be taking a lead in that and he'll be on it uh, shortly. So we will be needing, uh, and we, we will be putting out a call for volunteers in at least six major areas. Uh, uh, they would include um, the, the, the broadcasting area. And as I say, it won't be to displace other broadcasts because we will be seeking collaborative arrangements with as many um, independent voices as possible. We will be putting out a regular newsletter to our database. We have some 4,000 people in our database, I should mention, to answer your question about numbers of people that we can reach. Um, we will be um, uh, developing a – we have people like Mike Atkinson and, and uh, Trina who will be coming on soon who will be heavily engaged in – uh, outreach to other social media, and we will be needing volunteers to supplement that, to, to, to augment it. We uh, will be particularly expanding our, what we call inReach, our interaction with the people in our database uh, to engage them in the volunteer activities such as the Truth Booths and these act national action teams that I've just described. And of course, there's a lot of technology involved with this as um, I'm sure you've experienced, and I've definitely experienced, a lot of um, uh, technology that goes into maximizing our ability to uh, interconnect, to connect with people out there in the world. So we have developed a grid of projects and um, and needs, which will be matched up by the uh, with the talents of the people who call in to us. But as you can see from just what I've said, there's at least six different major categories of moving parts there. And one thing we learned from our early experience was not to prematurely launch, uh, because um, if you uh, things, if you uh, put out a call and you aren't fully able to respond to those who answer you, uh, you really haven't progressed at all. So we're taking a little time. We didn't have all these skills that I mentioned available in the, initially. We we're gradually accumulating them in one way or another. And as we come out with our launch very soon, you're going to see a need for connecting with uh, in, in those areas that I just mentioned. And once we have all that in place, uh, we have every reason to believe from our past experience that the, we've gotten a good response, but we haven't always been able to utilize the response well. Once we're in a position to really utilize uh, the extent of the help that's being going to be offered by people, we will be... Uh, uh, really able to roll. And this connection that I mentioned to the larger movements, both in terms of their, their activists and their 
understanding of the nature of the problem will give us access to a very broad community. And uh, I'm very uh, excited about it and hopeful that it will really take off and make a difference by augmenting the work of many other people currently trying to fight against censorship, surveillance, secrecy, and um, corruption. Thank you, Bill. Let's jump back to Matt. Um, Matt, uh, what is the response to the truth booths? Um, well, let's go into them a, a little more. In fact, uh, I'll uh, I'll just walk us through the truth booth. And as you're telling us, I'll start at the beginning here. Uh, we'll just run through these slides. There's there's just uh, 14 of them, and you tell me when to go. Just walk us through this. This is the catalog of the truth booth, right? Right, right. Um, it's kind of unspoken that um, the, the real the real struggle is is um, spiritual in nature. So I, I came to me to um, to put something like this up first, um, just to set the tone, if you would, and to address our theme, which is on the next slide: universal truth, deserving to 9-11 truths demanding action. So I don't know, I've never seen demands action anywhere else. And uh, the gentleman who came up with it is a pretty wise soul and we're grateful. Grassroots yeah, United against all deception. Mm. That is a, a big one that Bill just mentioned. Uh, Grassroots United against all deception. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Americans are finding that out now. Uh, Truth Boost, it's, it's sort of a mission statement. But it's, uh, I'm not going to read it to, to you, but. Tell us about it. Restore consti constitutional uh, rule of law. Yeah. There's um, success. No more false flag events. How about that? No more false flag events. I run for president. That'll be my, my platform. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the falsity that is uh, in the culture now, particularly in the Beltway, is uh, it's it's mind blowing. I I just can't quite get my brain around it. But uh, you wanted to discuss results. This is the 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 first booth on the left was uh, one in, in Oregon, in Portland, and you can see how effective that was. And uh, forty six right. petitions. 19, 18 newsletters, six action alerts, and five volunteers. All right. That's, that's a good day. That, the proof is in the pudding. So people, people so I guess some of them are, you get all kinds showing up at the booth, right? Uh, tell us the range of reactions you get. A lot of folks are pretty quiet. Um, they just want to look and, look and learn. Um, others will, will engage. Um, most people who approach are warm, warm or hot um, when it comes to knowing the truth. And, um, but lot, so some folks don't know anything about anything. And so you have to meet them where they are. And uh, that's one of the things that uh, teams develop through time. Um, if, if you're going to be putting up a booth, it's a big challenge initially because you got to get everything ready. And that can take anywhere from 40 hours to 60 hours of total work. But 
the key is to, to understand that when these teams work together to put this booth together, they've had an opportunity to bond with each other and get to know each other's strengths and weaknesses. So it makes them stronger for meeting the public. It looks like uh, there's a path, uh, yeah. a, a flow through this booth. Tell us yeah, about that. The psychology that. of design, as is, is I like to phrase it, um, in, initially on the left, you see the, the blue shoes, uh, blue striped shoes, and mm -hmm. validate. And validate means when people approach and come into the, the booth, they feel validated immediately because there are stories, not stories, I, sh I should retract that. There's evidence right in front of them that they're not going crazy, that they're not having um, delusions when they think that they don't trust the 9-11, or they don't trust COVID, the official narratives. And there are surveys that have shown that they're part of the majority. Related to uh, government uh, inoperability or malfeasance, um, there's a, Chapman University does an annual survey and they, anywhere from 1,300 to 1,500 adults are randomly dialed up. So it's a telephone survey. I was in the survey business for three years, so I know what I'm talking about. Um, so they have legitimate data, and they are asking people what they're afraid of. And there's a list of about 60 different issues. The number one issue from uh, 2015 to 20, uh, 2020, six years of data, number one issue is worry or fear is of government officials, corrupt government officials. <laughs> 75 to 80 uh, percent is, is what would the levels of fear of, of the population responding to the surveys. The next categories are down in the, the mid 60 percentiles and further down, you know, 50s and 40s. Um, so it, it, fear of the government officials far uh, surpasses all the other issues that people are worried about. So that, that's one of the stories that are, are available in um, annotated or um, distilled kind of bullet point, um, quick read. Uh, so you don't have to stand there for five, five minutes, but maybe a minute or a half a minute to read. And um, we want people to know that they're not going bonkers. It's so it looks like uh, we validate on the way in. Yes. And okay. And then we get to the inform. What happens there? Well, they, they get to see the, the the exhibits, exhibits in the petition that the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry submitted to the courts. And um, they're out there in public hanging for people to see. And we decided that when we learned about the Lawyers Committee being turned down by the state's attorney turned down just for showing the petition to a grand jury. And the, our Bill of Rights states very clearly that court officials are not allowed or not supposed to hold back petitions for the grievances from the grand jury. So we, in response, we said, okay, well, if we can't see the evidence ourselves through court, we're going to do it out in public in defiance of, of the court decision. So well, that's great. What other kinds of informing do you do there? Well, um, 
to, to help people understand on, on the right side, the, the red font, on the lower lower left side, I should say, um, there, there's, there's papers written. What, what we do is we take papers that have been published and then distill them down so they're quick reads. And um, we've got uh, information <clears throat> about um, you know, the loss of individual rights. The Bill of Rights has been terribly, um, it's, been, it's been torn up, essentially, as you know. And propaganda and censorship, story, stories about those issues that are obviously uh, a result of 9-11 of corruption. Uh, if you can imagine, if you're a government employee in D.C. in particular, and you see what happened and you know the truth, some people are prone to say, well, if they got away with it, what can we do? And I think that's, that's kind of a bottom line uh, truth, that there's a certain element of you know, humanity that will take advantage of a situation. And we, we, we saw it with a medical community happen. Okay. So I, I I do agree with you. Let's let's um, move a little quicker because we got two guests okay. we want to bring on. Uh, what are you seeing there uh, in the middle of Inform? Uh, well, there, there's the uh, the yellow stripe is a, a banner that's two and a half feet high, eight feet across, and it says, uh, "Did you know the third third building? There it is, right there." So um, that's you're looking at the across the back, ten feet deep. Uh, that, along the back back side is, is the uh, building seven um, banner. By the way, for those of you who don't know about building seven, that's the third skyscraper that collapsed on nine eleven, straight down uniformly into its own footprint in under seven seconds after witnesses heard explosions. Uh, this building drops at free fall acceleration like a bowling ball falling out of the sky, and so. A lot of us in the 9-11 Truth Movement really do focus on this because it wasn't hit by a plane and no other steel frame high rise has ever collapsed due to a fire. So here is the uh, perhaps the most vital information. What is the public's reaction to this, Matt? Well, you know, they feel that, you know, if the National Institute of Science and Technology um, <clears throat> cannot explain that in a rational sense, that there's a problem. So it's it's really um, an, an entree, an intro rather, to um, the corruption that uh, produced that, that horrible event. Because it's so obvious uh, that this is a controlled demolitions. My my experience is that they then open their eyes to 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 start asking questions. Well, what about the twin towers? Do you <clears throat> do you take them forward then to the twin towers? It depends on how, how they react. You know, um, you got you, you to gotta take each person one at a time. And um, if, if they're really resistant, um, I, I won't go there. I'll just work on building seven, personally. Uh -huh. um, but folks who kind of get it, and then, then, yeah, then you go into the, the other two, um, sky, you know, the highest buildings in North America at, okay. at that time. And how about the Encourage? Uh Looks like they're they they've been decimated their worldview at this point. <laughs> they need a little encouragement. Yeah, we have. A, it's good to bring a couple of wheelbarrows. Let people sit in them. Sit in them. You can take them out to the car. 
It is a wake-up call, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, but we, we do want the crews who are going to be dealing with the public to, to be very sensitive to how people react and be supportive. If, if they're just finding out the, the truth and they realize it, I mean, it could be a crushing to them, you know, and we've got to be sensitive to that, be aware of it. Yeah, um, so how do you encourage them? Well, by, by speaking to, you know, what, what we can do, if, if we can get, get, get the petitions in court, for example, and get some movement, in the legal realm, what do we do afterwards? And so, um, I mean, we can, we're doing things now best we can to affect positive change, but, you know, look, look beyond this and what can we do to not allow this type of thing to happen ever again and to clean up the ethical soup. What kinds of information do you give them on the way out of here? Um, on, um, two States in the union have had, Publicly funded elections, taking money out of the equation in politics is one area. Um, it's the two, two states have had public financing available for candidates, and it makes a big difference in the types of people that run. And um, and the budgetary constraints um, are not there, and they don't owe anybody legislation as, as, pay, as payoff. For, for legalized bri- bribery, essentially, that legislation has become. Um, do you so give them the uh, information? Go ahead. Uh, do you give them the information from from uh, the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth? Yes, we do. We, we encourage them to have a scientific basis for the conversations they have, in particular when they're looking at the the exhibits and the, the exhibits that represent just 12 out of the 60 exhibits that were in the petition. And it should be stated that we did not um, receive any in, input or um, uh, interplay with the lawyers committee. We did it completely independently. And these are not full exhibits. These are just summaries, but they're, they're written by a professional uh, writer and um, pretty clear and brief, brief enough to be able to walk through and read, read them. So uh, anybody can put a truth booth together. It looks like there's an order form. Yes, yes. Um, it's kind of hard to see on the screen now, but it's been. Uh, we we want to give people some choices, even with our our main logo. Uh, there are different adaptations, so there's some choices in there you can make about the kind of banners you want to put. Um, up on the, up on your canopy, on your tent. Um, so what do these cost, an average? Between two two sixty to three hundred. Okay, so you can get yourself set up. You got a local nine eleven truth group. Uh, they wanna they wanna do something. They've been saying, hey, we got to do something. So you can put out a table. Um, go ahead, Bill. Yeah, I just want to say that uh, the cost shouldn't be a, such a, a deterrent because uh, one thing uh, Matt's team will do is work with anyone who wants to do a booth like this to put them in contact with other individuals in their community whom they may not, may not have even met yet so that it can be uh, shared. And um, uh, we find ways to work with people to uh, uh, so that uh, the initial cost won't be uh, a barrier. Yeah. And also, um, if if cash flow is is a, an issue, we um, we can work out a payment plan. Huh. You make it real easy then. 
as this easy as awesome. possible. Well, guess what? Uh, there are some two more of and, and two more after that. Uh, but we have uh, Michael Atkinson and Chuck Fall who have been out there with the Truth Booth. Uh, is that right, guys? Uh, Chuck, tell me a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll go to Michael. Hi, my name's Chuck. You can hear me okay? Yeah, you sound great, Chuck. Great. Um, so, yeah, I'm from Portland, Oregon, and um, a couple, there's a, we've got a small cell. There's three of us that are active, and we... A cell. Um, that, I, I wouldn't use that term. They kind of poisoned well, that word. but I, You know, I, I, that's a negative connotation, right? But it's actually... Uh, I, I um, I'm comfortable using the word, and I'm trying to. I would like other people to be comfortable using it. I don't think it's. You want to redefine it? Okay. The I'm point worried. is, it's an affinity group. We're a group of yeah. buddies, and we've teamed up, and we um, went through the process, purchased a truth booth, and and set it up. And it's not for. This is not an individual activity. You really need a couple people to physically set the tent up. Um, but it's a it's a it's a really wonderful way to interact with people in public. Um, uh, so um, I have background in education. I'm I'm now basically uh, you know unemployed, retired, and devoting my time to supporting the TAP project. Uh, I have other activities, other um, groups that I quote intersect with. Um, in this movement. And um, so, um, so, you know, I'm a, tr a committed truther. And I'll just say that uh, I've been kind of um, inactive, uh, occupied with other work to do. But uh, I got I freshly well, a couple of years ago, I read um, James Douglas's book, JFK and the Unspeakable, Why is you know, Life and Death Matter? And I was actually deeply moved by that. So I see the 9-11 work, um, the work that's uh, the medical freedom movement today, um, all has a, a, a historical thread of, call it elite impunity, that runs through it. And uh, the, the lack of accountability um, by uh, people that have done bad things, uh, committed crimes against our democracy, have not been held to account, and as a result, um, what we are even experiencing today uh, is a, a buildup of prior events. So I'm interested in being present, bearing witness, uh, truth to power, um, and, and sharing and creating. Um, and this is why I'm uh, really, I like TAP. I like the, the broad, almost ecumenical uh, reach um, is to normalize talking about a topic which is profoundly uncomfortable for people Um and and I and if you and I think people in the truth movement know that some things you can't even talk with family members because you'll alienate and you know you don't want to blow all your relationships so so you got to be careful but um, I think this is very important work and that's why I'm involved. Well, what's the experience you've had in Portland uh, with the Truth Booth? Well, the we so we we've um, you know you get you get all kinds. We've had people walk by who mutter uh, slurs, you know, and don't stop and talk. We've had people stop and talk and want to debate. 
and um, try to find reasons why what we're presenting can't be right. Uh, and then we have a range of people that go, oh, yeah, I know about that. And so for them, for the people that I know about that, then um, there is certainly an affirmation uh, that they're not out of their mind, that they're, you know, that they're reasonable. These are reasonable people staging a truth booth. Um, and so so you get a wide range um, of, of, of people. And so I think a lot of this work is normalizing conversations that are deeply uncomfortable, but conversations our society needs to be having. Well put. How many uh, different kind, kind, different experiences have you had with the booth itself? Have you, you do you do it every month or what? what when well, we're, we're so we're fresh. To, we are fresh from starting it. So oh. we've we've done one truth booth project, and right. um, we being that it's winter time, kind of uh, got um, we've kind of pulled back, but we are intending and planning uh, future truth booths. We set our truth booth up on the set of a, on the edge of a, um, uh, a farmer's market in downtown Portland in oh, the okay. university district and where we knew we'd have traffic. And that's oh. what we did. And, and so um, we're planning to move it around and not just do it at one place. Um, and so we basically did a kind of a prototype, I guess you call it the beta run, the first run and, and, um, kind of check it out. And so we're, we're planning more, but uh, we do look forward to becoming, uh, using our marketing more effectively to get the word out and invite people to come down and visit. And um, even though you're already dialed in on, you know, what's true and the importance of truth movement, um, we want to, uh, to create, we, our hope is that the truth booth becomes a, um, a rallying, cry and a rallying spot for um, for people that um, feel disconnected and alienated because I think that's one of our big problems that we're contending with you know being alone in this movement and not feeling confident and empowered to go out and do anything about it or with this knowledge excellent points Chuck um, it, it, I, I found that to be true in some of the tabling not just from the the people behind the table with me who need not counseling, but sometimes yes, uh, but the people who, who come up and, and uh, they need support, emotional support too. So like Matt emphasized, that's a huge component of, of uh, the people I meet, for instance, out uh, I've done uh, 600 presentations around the world and uh, the, by far, the, the the biggest sets of questions uh, at the end afterward are 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 people who just really want to know what they can do. Are we ever going to get a real investigation? Uh, what how, what what do I tell my family members? They won't talk to me or something like that. I mean, yeah, it's it's huge. How about you, Michael? Uh, what's your experience with the truth booth? And, um, and and what kinds of uh, reactions uh, are you getting there in, oh, dear, did I forget where you were? Jackson, no, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. That's right. I almost yeah. did. I did. Well, hello, Richard. 
thank you for having me on. Um, I just want to say real quick, I'm 51 years old. I joined the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers about a year before 9-11 happened, and uh, it happened. I uh, certainly had questions about it uh, early on. Um, I wound up going to Kuwait, Africa, and Iraq over the next few years uh, for the war on terror, and um, I got an honorable discharge that I never asked for the way it worked out, and I wound up in 2004, and I wound up discovering AE 911 Truth and Ron Paul running for president about the same time in 2007, so that was when my journey really began, when I could really understand that my suspicions were confirmed after all this time, and um, I wound up just researching and you know, and trying to share the best truth I can ever since. And I joined the I Am the Face of Truth campaign, was in that for a while, and um, I still help them. And, you know, I've just learned. I've learned about how this cover-up was was just enormous. I've learned how, you know, if, if, if a person isn't aware of the true power of mainstream media in this country, then they're, they're going to have a hard, hard, much harder time understanding what we're about so something needs to happen somehow for people to understand the true power of the mainstream media in this country uh i mean if they don't understand that then they we've got to get them to somehow and uh my experiences with the truth booth is that matt van slyke helped me get started i was trying to find a place i, I purchased a booth and i was trying to find a place to hold it and matt helped me out when he told me about a festival in jackson mississippi called wells fest uh you can look that up it is a uh christian centered music festival they have each year in september and i was able to get a slot for that and my experience was that i had one person helping me and they couldn't help me all day but it does help to have another person at least to get started. And I had people, like Chuck said, they were, they ranged. Um, I had people walk up to me and ask me, well, what do you have here? And I, I had a table. <laughs> my, uh, my booth was a little different, just the way I was able to pull it off. And I had a table with a lot of things from AE 911 Truth on it and some other things. And I had an American flag on my table. And I mean, I, I just, I think it went well. And the people responded in various ways. Like I said, anywhere from people coming up to me, a couple came up to me and said that they were conspiracy theorists. I mean, they just told me that they were smiling, <laughs> you know, they were smiling and they had already knew about it. And, you know, I had some contact cards, which were just business cards that I call contact cards um, for tap. And I had them on the table and I would give as soon as I could figure out a person that had walked up to my table, I mean, my booth, I, I handed them a contact card because I'm trying to build a network, of course. So having business cards and contact cards is is pretty important, I would say. And yeah. I, I did have a couple of guys walk up at one point and just look at my table uh, they didn't look me in the eyes. Uh, I, I asked them, had they heard of the lawyers committee? Uh, they remained silent and then they just walked off, you know, but that, 
you know, that was just one time. I had probably 20 or 30 people during the course of the day um, react positively and take some information from my booth. That's incredible. Uh, a great set of experiences. So um, how, how many times have you been able to get the booth out there and how much support do you have from Jack in Jackson, Mississippi? Well, I, I did the booth in 2019 and was going to do it again the last two years, but they canceled it because of this COVID multifaceted. Oh, you can't get out there. Scam. scam. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, uh, you know. You That's know, a scam that got me fired. <laughs> yeah. I, um, anyway, you know, there's just different reactions. Uh, you know, the reactions are all over the place. They're probably going to be like that, you know. But just get, just being seen shows people that, that people are standing up and helps people drop their fear. You know? Yeah, could I, could I chime in, uh, Richard, on that? Yeah, please. Yeah, uh, those, uh, those experiences from Chuck and Mike tell, tell you a lot. And it, it, goes, it makes me think a little bit of this strategy that we've talked about of trying to reach other audiences to supplement, to complement what – uh, uh, architects and engineers was able to do and that you continue to do. If you think about the obstacles you were facing, I think you very rarely, if ever, encountered someone who really contested the science about um, controlled demolition. You, you ran into a few, but they were so easy to debunk that it was it was almost painful to watch how you would demolish them. Um, but uh, where it was more difficult was uh, the psychological warfare, the deplatforming, the the censorship, the use of ad hominem attacks, being called a conspiracy theorist with a loaded term that was generated by the CIA, and uh, it takes a special kind of rational mind to discard all of that. But today, uh, it, it was it was relatively easy for the powers that be to kind of isolate you out and single you out as the spokesperson for for nine eleven truth. But today we're in a in a in a different world. First place we're watching these um, uh, vaccine adverse uh, uh, reaction uh, statistics. Hundreds, thousands, and thousands of people are experiencing adverse reactions, and they're wondering how this could have happened with a, a vaccine that was proven to be so successful, so so, so safe. Um, people um, who uh, uh, are, are seeing. Um, Noted scientists, not just one scientist, not just two scientists, but many people who used to work for Pfizer in high positions, people who helped invent mRNA, uh, professors at leading universities, doctors with in incredible research and practice, practice credentials, not just being not not being debated, but being silenced. They're seeing now the truckers up in in in, in um, Canada being called racists and. And, and and worse, and yet not given on and being completely blocked off from uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Company. So uh, once people, you know, if they're trapped by those media, yes, they're still subject to them. But people are find the media or the independent media are finding ways around it. And the degree of support that's emerged in Canada shows that those kinds of lies, the lies which they have used to persecute your efforts to get out the truth, that those lies are starting to crumble. 
So uh, anybody who has gotten past the, has experienced the lies about um, the origins of, of, of these vaccines is going to look at 9-11 truth in a different way. So those are directions I think we need to continue to exploit. But at the core of the story is always 9-11 because somebody had to coordinate all those attacks and we still don't know who or how or when. And certainly nobody is held accountable. Nobody has been held accountable. Yeah. And, Richard, Richard, and, I'd just I just like to say, go ahead, real, Mike. I'd just like to say real quick that, you know, if you research into this, like we all have, you, you, you know, it's enormous. And so, I mean, there's facts and facts and facts, and it just goes on and on and on. But one of the things that I try to keep visible uh, as much as I can to talk about it and share it is the 2001 weaponized anthrax scam. You know, that was a biological attack and it was, it, it was even admitted it was a scam, you know, but the power of the mainstream media, like I said, in this country, if they don't really put, you know, tell you over and over and over what's, you know, then, then, you know, it, it, it just gets swept under the rug. So yeah, what one we're of dealing- the things, just to clarify that point, Mike, I'll let you go on. Uh, Barbara Honiger uh, points out that the FBI acknowledges that this was an inside job, the 2001 uh, anthrax uh, attack. Um, and, and, uh, and and they tried to blame a, 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 a Patsy who had been suicided. So uh, we, it, it's a real problem, and it remains an open problem for them today as much as Building 7 or more. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, that to me, if somebody told me about 9-11 and I was absorbing it, you know, they also told me about the weaponized, you know, biological weaponized anthrax scam. I mean, you know, they should be able to look at what's going on now and and feel the possibilities of what is happening. If, If that was, you know, if they if they sent weaponized anthrax to two of our senators who were slowing down passage of the Patriot Act, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, people need to know these things. I think it's really important for them to know about the 2001 weaponized anthrax scam. Matt, how many uh, truth booths are out there in operation now? In operation, um, those that are, are, are fully dressed up and I um, count those, if you're, if you're hanging the exhibits, I consider that to be dressed up. Um, so we, we, um, we got out with it. We put those out for the first time last fall. And there were, there were three, Portland and New York and Boston. They, they put, so it was like our beta test to hang, to hang the exhibits just to see, you know, how they played out. And um, the feedback has been quite good, so we're gonna we're gonna roll it out to all all of the people we um, who have gotten a booth. Um, there are 18, 18 booths that have been ordered so far, and you'll find about half a dozen to, to six six to eight of those um, were active last nine eleven. Uh, the prior nine eleven was a blowout. Um, only we only have one booth out because of, there was no foot traffic, but Boston went out anyway. Yeah, the only one. Boston's a, a diehard group. Yes, yeah. it's fantastic. Well, 
Speaking of uh, folks who have been out there on the street, uh, our next guest is uh, Ms. Trina Maria. Hello, Trina. Hi, and, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Good to see you. Hi, see great you to too. see you. Thank you, Richard, uh -huh. and everyone, my uh, my uh, colleagues here on the phone with us. Thank you, everyone, and Gail. Yay. And uh, Ms. Ziola Moon, uh, we, you are here too. And let me tell you about Trina Maria. She's a business owner and has a legal secretary background. Trina became aware of World Trade Center 7 in 2009 and later got involved as an activist. Uh, oh, I got lost. I knew that was going to happen. Uh, for 9-11 Truth in 2014, she has since expanded her activism into the medical freedom movement. Now, by the way, you guys, we don't want to talk in detail about the medical freedom movement because uh, I don't want to lose the opportunity to educate the YouTube community. And I've already got one strike out of three against Understood. me. So let's not use those words. Just dance around the words. You know what I mean. Okay. Uh, so Trina uh, has expanded uh, her activism that way. She's served as a board member and has volunteered for the Truth Action Project since 2016. Trina's love of freedom and the respect of, for life and truth caused her to take that stand. And our next guest, I'll just bring uh, Ziola in also. She's been a dedicated activist in the 9-11 Truth Movement since 2016, often working behind the scenes. She's an operations catalyst and a digital supporter on the front lines of social media for the leaders in our expanding movement. Ziola, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. All right. Let's start with you. When did you first get into 9-11? Uh, how? And, and, and tell us about your involvement in the Truth Action Project. Well, it, like I said, it was right around 2016, a little before, but right around there. And um, just in and out, helping where I could, uh, where I see opportunity and ways to motivate people and get people more involved. Really wanted to try to be kind of like almost like the cheerleader of the group. Anybody doing something good, I'm there to say, yay, go team. And Trina and I have been working together since uh, we left Face of Truth, which was a good experience, but we had to move on. And there's been some, you know, with, with things happening the past several years, there's been quite a shutdown as far as censorship goes in the truth movement. So a lot of the truth advocates from the past have gotten discouraged or they don't know what to do. Well, now's the time coming up with spring and everything where we have a great opportunity to bring those people forward. All the people that have been cheering us on all these years. Hey, if you guys want to get involved and you just don't know what to do, we're going to offer several different levels of opportunities to come in at. So nobody feels overwhelmed or obligated. So there's a lot of things that can be done. Uh, just just name name as many as you can name right now. What you, what can you do for the 9/11 Truth Movement and your own conscience, knowing it's an inside job? Yeah, we like action items, making them fun so that people, you know, like I said, not feeling overwhelmed or obligated. 
They'll have, you know, if you just want to sign a petition or forward some emails, if you'd like to be on any one of the teams, which we're going to have a team of teams and there will be recruiting teams. So, you know, some people might not want to work in certain departments and even you'll be able to benefit from this, Richard, is because some people might want to say, well, I want to go work on Richard Gage's team. Well, that's fine with us. Just come on board, everybody. It's going to and be I've got positions for people. Ziola, I, oh, I, I do. <laughs> we have lots of help that we need. Go ahead. We'll be happy to publicize. Great. It'll be like a big umbrella for our community, not just focusing on any one thing. We're going to be bringing us all together so that we do have the opportunity to come together so nobody feels left out. You know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff going on coming forward. And uh, I'll let Trina take it from there. <laughs> Well, thank you, Trina. Well, thank you. Um, one of the things I'd like to mention about the Truth Booth concept is the way to become uh, looking like a uniform, organized movement where once a few of these booths start going up around the country uh, and pictures are shown, maybe, you know, TAP wants to develop a photo gallery on its website where we can encourage other people that they are not alone and make it look more like an organized movement versus just a ragtag booth being thrown up here and there. Now, um, Michael also spoke to the power of the mainstream media. What I would like to take away from that is I want people to understand their true power and the power of the people. If we can just get the point across uh, that we can overcome this power structure that we're all facing, uh, facing down, that we can overcome that with the power of many. And we want to tap into the power of the people. So I just want people to know that they are not alone and that they, like you, we need help too. So we can plug you in where you want to be plugged in on at. And um, Ziola and I are actually going to be working to help coordinate the volunteers that are coming in and, and trying to get them plugged in where they where they feel their strengths are what you know how we got to find out how much time they have what it is they feel they are good at you know what are their limitations how how much time do they have what can they do and we're just looking to help people feel plugged in this is great i mean that's that's probably the most important job of all uh, find finding and attracting volunteers uh, understanding their skills and then plugging them in where a they can they can grow, and and b they can get things done, uh, so the overall organization uh, really begins to march forward, like uh, AE nine eleven Truth uh, has for for fifteen years. Uh, it's it's a slow march. I acknowledge Bill's uh, admission uh, acknowledgement about that. Um, but how do Tr Trina? How do we? How, how do we accelerate? I'm going to just put some pressure on you. I tried to put it on Bill, but he kind of he, he, he kind of has this way about saying, well, not too fast. And so uh, Bill and I have been working together for, for uh, years at, over at 8911 Truth, and I keep trying to push. And, and um, so I'm going to push on you. Um, how do we accelerate? the perceivable metrics of success and and what are those metrics i mean we can all have a different answer on that well let's okay. let's all talk about that go ahead okay i think that we can accelerate by having people just 
realize their power and asking them to put their pedal to the metal and put their foot on the gas on the gas pedal. That's it. Just take your foot off the brake, stop tapping the brake, stop pumping the brakes and put your foot on the gas pedal. Simple. You move forward one way or the other. You get in touch with you. You get in touch with you. Know, you get in touch with Richard. You get in touch yeah, with you, us. You might get fired, but but you're going forward. <laughs> yeah, we want to go forward, and and also that I think we can accelerate by just knowing that we have an organization that Tap is wanting to do. What Tap wants to do is coordinate organize and promote the other organizations that are out there. Like we don't just have to give people our opinions about something or we can tell them, Hey, look, there's a and E there's a E there's the LC, the lawyers committee. We have these beautiful professional organizations that we can turn people to that may not have otherwise ever heard of those. And I think just people giving, giving people that, that knowledge that, Hey, we have we have a an arsenal behind us. You know, we have a we have a a plethora of materials that we can hand out and show people and talk to people about and engage people with. I don't think people need to hold back because well, hold we on hold a second, power. Trina. We have you know we it's on. up to We've us got, to accelerate. Hold on a second, Trina. I, I just it. want to um, get the background noise taken care of. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody's got some shuffling going on of papers, and we. That's not going to be helpful. Go ahead, Trina. Okay. No, I was just wanting to say that we can. It's up to us to accelerate or decelerate or stay in idle, and I I just think it's it's also going to have to depend a lot on people's mindsets. Either we're going to be overcomers or we're going to just stay like, oh my gosh, look at what's happening all around us. You know, I want to get out of the the gloom and doom about everything that's happened to us over the last two years, over the last twenty years. Uh, if we're being truthful, even beyond that, if we're really being truthful. But, you know, let's come out of that victim mentality and and take back our power. That's one way we can accelerate just by clicking our switching our mindset. Zyla, why, why do people that, that you're working with, um, what do you tell them uh, to get them started? I mean, say they're in inertia, like like I was for some time. Um uh, what do you do to 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 put their anger or their fear to work? Well, um, I think it a lot of it boils down to what Trina was saying: is getting them motivated to realize their own true potential. We want to present it as something they can go forward with in life, with more wisdom and knowledge on teamwork and team building, where they can learn skills and etiquette etiquette on group sharing. And become, you know, have the ease and ins and outs of being able to do that. Uh, speaking skills, like referring people over to uh, Toastmasters or something like that, if people are feeling shy. I took a speech class in college just to be able to be where I'm at now. And I, I'm still kind of a beginner at that, as you can see. I'm not going on camera yet, but I will soon. And um, <laughs> as far as you know, as far as offering something that's really of substance and value, there this community is an education center that you won't find in any university, and it won't cost you thousands of dollars to achieve the knowledge. How exciting is that? And you're a big part of that, Richard. <laughs> Very big oh, part of that. Thank you. 
Yes, I would like to. Yeah, I would just like to piggyback on that, Richard. We see you as a wonderful ally and, um, you know, in this building of organizations and getting things happening across the country. Uh, I think unity is what we all need to focus on. I mean, that's been my battle cry for some time. And United We Stand couldn't mean more than it does today. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I can do things now that um, that I couldn't do at 8911 Truth. And we're going places that they can't go and that they shouldn't go. They're doing what they need to do. And now, uh, by God's grace and divine intervention and a loose mouth, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm able to do things that I could never do. And with your guys' help, um, we'll find a way to do it. Um, several ways, uh, like, like promote the truth booths, you know, promote local action groups and, and, and get, uh, uh, more, more people of doing things, actually doing things in the 9-11 truth movement, uh, on the podcast and having this conference, which I think will draw a lot of, uh, 9-11 truth, uh, individual minded individuals. Uh, uh, awakened and, and curious. People are curious about the Pentagon and what really happened. Uh, for those of you who missed that earlier announcement, we're on on we're, we're starting a monthly conference and it starts on March nineteenth, Saturday, and it's on. It's called nine eleven con. Get it? <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it's uh, going to be on the Pentagon. First, we have uh, Craig McKee and. We have Barbara Honiger and we have David Chandler, uh, all presenting their 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 research uh, on the Pentagon with three very different theories. Uh, but with that said, uh, Gail's telling me that we have an an exciting set of questions here, and let me find her because I know I found her. Yes, you did, Gail. Hello, dear. Hi, guys. She is. Um, one of the most incredible assistants I could have ever imagined having uh, the, uh, the uh, most, I mean, in addition to working more than I do, which is like all the time. No, um, that's not true. That's not true. You guys, he works we, so many hours. You would not believe it. <laughs> we work hard. Um, so Gail, um, you've been assessing the community at YouTube <laughs> and Facebook. What's going on there right now? Yes, yes, yes. We do have a lot of questions, so I will get started. Okay. Uh, all right. So this question is from Gene, and he asks, can we download or buy just the exhibit sheets that are hanging in the back of the truth booth? And anybody that can answer? You, Matt? Yes. Can they download the truth, the, the 60 exhibits? Uh, no. Well, those are available on the LC's website, also the Lawyers Committee yeah. website. Well, and that website uh, is LC. I don't think we have the summaries uh, available at this right. point. But we will make 12, it's available. only 12 out of the 60. But we're happy to share them, but we'd like to know who you are. <laughs> and if you want to uh, visit uh, and see everything, it's over at LC4FOR911.org. That's LC4FOR911.org. Org. It's all there on their website. So be sure to, to download that. You can laminate it yourself and put it up on your refrigerator or better yet, uh, on your house, 
on your front door so visitors see it. <laughs> yeah, we're happy to share the, the, what we do have. And um, is it possible to um, give a screenshot and zoom in to, to see one of, the, one of the pages? Yeah, let's, well, let's see how we do. It's a good question. I'm going to do attempt to do that right now. Okay, thanks. Oh, look, you're all tiny over there. Let's. Uh, <laughs> there's there's one slide. There's one sli um, that has a, a full. Let's see, there it is. If you can zoom in there. Good luck with that. Is that any better? Uh, it hadn't changed on my side. Oh, well, uh, watch this. Ah, there you go. That's my Max. Oh, okay. They don't come in very focused, though. Or do um, I just want you to know that it, it, they, they, they were um, designed under, uh, I think it was fourfold um, magnification. So... They, they actually will print out very clearly, even though they look tiny. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. What's the next question? Awesome. This question is from Ray. He says, what has COVID to do with 9-11? Can you, can you explain your thinking why these two topics are related? Can it be that these two topics have no relation to one another besides mistrust? And just be very careful with your answers. Um, what do you choose? <laughs> I, 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 can, I can speak to that if you'd like. Okay. Speak uh, with discretion, please. Yes. I will. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good question. And I'm sure that uh, there will be uh, – that some people don't don't see the connection. And that's that's fine. The connection and, – and certainly – Truth Action Project doesn't set itself up as as a medical authority any more than we frankly set ourselves up as uh, engineering or, or architecture authorities because we're not experts in that. When it comes to issues like controlled demolition, we defer to uh, architects and engineers and others who really uh, are are experts on it. But where they connect, where they connect is in in fundamental issues which go to to both things. It's undeniable. You can debate the effectiveness of vaccines and the, or the wisdom of um, uh, shutdowns, but censorship is and deplatforming are bad. Uh, and the only way we will, any of us as citizens, will get to the truth about vaccines is not to just plug in and listen to one side of a story. That's not the experts, uh, the, the officials, the authorities would be the first to say that there are too many people who are unvaccinated. And they certainly it's not because of a lack of um, messaging by the official media or by the government. Vast sums are being spent to um, what they call health education. Somehow people are resisting. And I think it's because there's mistrust. And I think there's mistrust primarily because of the messaging policies, the censorship and the deplatforming. I'm ready personally, and I think most people that I know of uh, who have concerned themselves with that issue, to be educated about um, uh, you know, science. Science is always a work in progress. But when we see people deplatformed, losing their jobs, and um, being uh, uh, targeted by ad hominem attacks rather than their methodology, we see that a debate is not going on, that science is not being practiced, and that's where we have something in common with 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 nine eleven. The major planning, Richard, involves a discussion among nine eleven 
students, shall we say, about conflicting theories about what happened at the Pentagon, for example. That's the scientific process. Um, uh, you're not trying to enforce an orthodoxy. You're not trying to deplatform the other people because they're wrong and you know you're right. That's a really good thing that you're doing. That's not been happening at the governmental level in these other in some of these other areas. And we're seeing increasingly the message on mainstream media that is known to be false. It's a known falsehood. falsehood. Well, exactly how is it known? We have to rely on a network to tell us what's a known falsehood. So uh, that's an underlying. That, that's really the, the biggest single. Um, a source of common ground. We need to insist on a functioning media, on open channels of communication. We need to re rebel, to resist um, any kind of shutdown of, of dialogue. And as Robert Kennedy says, um, the First Amendment is put first for a reason, because without freedom of speech, none of the other freedoms matter. So uh, let's scrape away the superficial issues and get to that core thing. We are facing a situation in which we are being for any contrary view, we're being told that our views are illegitimate and therefore no one has a right to hear them. If that's applied to medical issues and vaccines, it certainly ought to be applied to 9-11 because it's certainly heretical to a lot of people, isn't it? So that's the point in common. I think we need to get down to those basics. Richard, can I share a point? Yeah, and if you're going to use the word that Bill did, let's call it a <laughs> medical procedure. And uh, the other word we want to use a different word for uh the different word would be uh the disease going around <laughs> okay I, I, uh, <clears throat> that's what we need to do in order to preserve our youtube account go ahead well, okay let me just do you remember the name philip zelikow <laughs> no i can't hear <laughs> well, i don't think the name philip zelikow will get you booted off of youtube but one of the, the question is, what's the connection? Well, There's Philip, a hell of a connection, isn't there? Philip Zelikow was brought in by the Bush administration to oversee the 9-11 Commission. There is plans for Philip Zelikow to return and uh, and do a uh, a bedding down of the, um, the pandemic, if you will. So you have personnel continuity running between 9-11 and the events of today. That's one example. And I know people can speak much more widely of other uh, personnel continuity that's being conducted. Um, and, and there's rich stories to be told. But um, yeah, that's part of the education is to highlight um, these kinds of connections. It's a great so Philip Zelikow got his PhD in the creation and maintenance of public myth. And he wrote the, the outline for the 9-11 Commission report uh, just uh, before they, they ever met. He, he, he had the, the outline written. He knew well, exactly where they were going. Go ahead. And that's in Richard, uh, mainstream media, I think it was a New York Times report I just read, explained that um, the plan is for some congressional uh, you know, oversight committee to look into the uh, the pandemic, if you will, um, and that uh, it remarked that Philip Zelikow is already hard at work with his team to give preparatory materials to the Congress so that they can have a jump start on their investigation. Do you <laughs> trust what he's going to bring and share with the Congress? That's incredible. They got the right man on the job. I'll have to give them that. Uh, all right. Anybody else want to tackle that one or should we go to the next one? I will. Uh, Matt. Um, I forget the exact nature of the question, 
I know the I got it. I have an answer, but would do you want me to ask it again? Yeah, could you? Sure, you bet. Um, what has COVID to do with 9-11? Can you explain your thinking why these two topics are related? Can it be that these two topics have no relation to one another besides mistrust? Uh, mistrust, um, yeah. What what is disgusting to me is how people were frightened beyond belief. Millions and millions of people were scared to death. And for the for my tax dollars to be paying for these lies that scare people and and drive them into a, a, sp a headspace that they can't even think rationally, um, is it, it just makes it just makes me angry, and I'm highly offended by this uh, this psychosis that's coming out of primarily the Beltway, and, and they're inflicting mass the ma humanity with um, very sick um, expenditures of our dollars. And that's all I want to say right now. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank we got you. A, we got a bunch of questions, so we better scoot it on. All right. Next question is from Jean. Division has been an issue within every civil movement, and the 9-11 truth movement is no, isn't immune. AE was and is foundational for us, but TAP and RG 9-11 came from that division. How do we learn and grow from that? I can talk to it. All right, Bill. Am I open? Yeah. Well, as we've said, we certainly don't see ourselves in competition uh, with you at all. We, I think we are trying to be a little bit unique uh, because we don't want to duplicate and copy. But the idea of being a support organization is central. There's a, there's a famous writer named Vaclav Havel, who I think won a Nobel Prize. Uh, he's from Czechoslovakia. He was a dissident. And he's written an important, uh, he wrote an important uh, a piece called Power to the Powerless. And he advanced this idea of the org that, that the movement that he was a part of, which led to the freeing of, the, of Czechoslovakia from uh, Soviet domination and the breakup of the bloc, involved uh, the, the formation of self-organizing little groups that they, he, he counseled his, his people not to try to form a big pyramid or a top-down uh, kind of revolutionary organization, because he said it would lead to the same thing that they were trying to overthrow. So we're actually trying to practice that directly with Eugene, too. I mean, you've come to us with the idea of a, um, what you call a war room. I might object to the term, but you're not creating war. You're, you have a good discussion group that's looking for activism. And we think that's great. And you want autonomy from us. And have I ever said you shouldn't do it? You know, we hope that out of that autonomous group will come some ideas. And if uh, and they will over time, you should keep it up. But if we controlled you and made you subject to anybody's supervision, you would be inhibited. So and I've learned well, that you you can't control Gene. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't control Gene, and I'm not going to try. Um, and uh, as far as the uh, other groups are concerned, you know. We don't want to. We don't need to put ourselves forward as the truth movement or the the, the leader of X or the leader of Y. We've got some great leaders in this country uh, that are starting to emerge, um, and some of them come from that forbidden territory that you don't want us to go into. 
Richard, but I also, and I, I understand why you say that, but I also think it's uh, respected, but we also need to realize we can't normalize that kind of censorship. We can't normalize it. And what the Joe Rogan st story is telling us is it is possible to fight back and it has to be fought back. A simple example I'll give is with these truckers. You know, when you have the premier of, of prime minister in Canada, denouncing truckers as racists and a fringe element. And then you look at the convoy of 70,000 trucks and you see them lined up on the stage with a Hindu truck driver and a black truck driver and they had a Jewish guy in there among the leadership and you had everybody there to be dismissing what they have to say because they're racists and they're a fringe. And they're is, violent. And, and, and they're violent. And the, CN, and, and the Canadian Broadcasting Company, which is paid off by the government, controls the messaging almost entirely, except for a few, in a sense, yes, fringe uh, uh, outlets, which are struggling on, on nothing. That is, um, you know, th that's where our action has to has to go. So we, we need to, we do need to support one another. And we're not, we don't need to be a protagonist. We want to be a loose meeting ground for activists for all these groups. And I personally would like to help and support all those leaders because eventually, eventually out of this civic, ferment, what they would call civic unrest, will come political expressions and a political uh, a political change. And uh, I know I don't, I'm not ready to, I'm certainly not ready for me or us to project ourselves into that role. But by supporting all these initiatives, the groundswell will emerge and a new world can emerge and a new, 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 new governments. And that's really where we would get 9-11 truth, hopefully before that. But it's that momentum, which all these groups will help, which will, I think, put 9-11 over the top. Otherwise, it may not happen. Thank Can you, I jump in and add something? Chuck. Just to say that I know uh, in TAP, um, because it's not just a single, it's not just 9-11 truth action project. It's multiple truth actions, even bringing us current you know, medical freedom truth action, for example. Um, but one of the things that we're endeavoring to do is to craft a unifying thematic statement, a, a kind of a unifying message that that would bring people together. Uh, Richard, you have you yourself have uh, said in the video I saw it with you and Gail when you made a debut kind of introductory statement. It was very lovely to see that you want to save the country. And uh, I think members of TAP want to save the country. Robert Kennedy and Children's Health Defense, the Defender, want to save the country. Um, people that are concerned about, you know, the Internet of Things and the, the you know, the, the intense placement of Wi-Fi radiate, you know, antenna everywhere is a concern. Um, so we do need a, a, a theme of, of unity based on simple understandings of, you know, what's the problem. And um, the problem is, you know, I think the state has too much power and I think our democracy has been stolen. And I think that we, the people need to find ways to take it back. And TAP is about that. And TAP's not going to tell anybody. I mean, we're, we want to be a clearing. We want to be a place where all, um, where left, right, center can act in some, in some unitary, in some unison, in some uh, singular method. That's, a, that's an ambition. Okay. Yeah. All right. The next question is, well, Sean asked if the truth booths are for sale. Um, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, we, have, <laughs> we, have, we have in stock. 
you have truth booths in stock for sale. Yes. And they what they're two to three hundred dollars, I understand. Two fifty to three hundred, depending on choices you make. And and how do people find them to buy them? Well, they talk they talk with me or another person. Okay. And, and then well, how do they do that? Well, the email is truth booth singular, the word truth, then booth at 911 TAP tap. Truth booth at 911 TAP.org. Truth booth at 911 tap.org. There you go. Yep. Is there a website too? Uh, that's part of our rollout, Richard. We're, uh, we, we do. There is the 911tap.org website, but we've got a group working on uh, spiffing it up. So, uh, right. Okay, but there's not a separate Truth Booth website. No. Okay, gotcha. All right, Gail. All right, so the next question is, this is directed to Ray, or it's from Ray, sorry, directed to all of you. It's a question says, he says, who read the 9-11 commission report and what did you find missing in that report? Huh. A little off topic from the truth booth. Can I jump in? And I just yeah. say, I haven't read the 9-11 commission report. Um, but let me say this. Uh, uh, I've, um, and it's an interesting question. And, you know, I got, I watched the 9-11 event on TV from the West Coast, 8.30 in the morning. So I was probably, so three hours later, I was watching 11.30, you know, um, you know, East Coast time. So the towers had collapsed. And I think it was, uh, you know, when I saw those buildings come down, there was no question in my mind that that was demolition. It never entered my mind that airplanes hit the buildings and caused them to collapse. That's the popular narrative. And our and Dick Cheney's famous, like on day one, on the, or four, within 24 hours, he said, oh, the, the building's pancaked, as though that's the explanation. And that's what the mainstream media went with. So when, when Building 7 uh, was revealed to have also collapsed, I didn't need to learn anything more. I mean, I'm not that I'm, you know, I, it was evident to me that um, this was a, uh, that this was not what was being represented. So uh, I guess you could say my mind was made up that I wasn't getting the truth from the officials. Now, um, what, so, so uh, I hard reaches out to anyone who would slog through the 9-11 commission report and ferret out the obvious deceptions, and I welcome anybody who can share that. But um, you know, it's an interesting question. But nine, the Building Seven was the smoking gun for me. I'm out. Gotcha. Okay. All right. This next question is from Miles, and he says, "LC 9/11 Truth posted about Mick in court recently. It sounds to me." A grand jury is only for the possibly wrongly accused. In other words, only 19 supposed terrorists can be tried for a GJ hearing. Thoughts? He's asking about your thoughts on that. Who wants to take that one? Come on. You're muted. 
answer it. Though. Well, yeah, I was uh, on on the board of the Norris Committee when that came up, and I'm not going to dive deep into the weeds, but um, those fifty exhibits, which uh, Matt reports, um, uh, uh, come from their um, their, uh, their their work. What what the lawyers committee was was asking the grand the attorney the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York to put before the grand jury was the need for a criminal investigation and the 50 exhibits in their totality basically say something is very rotten in the state of the United States of America and what should have happened and what still should happen by law is that the grand jury would go to go to work the U.S. attorney would put himself at their disposal and would track down all of the evidence and uh, bring people in, subpoena them, and uh, uh, formulate the charges. The petitions, the, the evidence which was submitted was weren't indictments of individuals. They were evidence of crimes. And the in, criminal investigation and criminal prosecution should flow from that. That's the role of the grand jury to formulate, assisted by a U.S. attorney to formulate the charges. And then the, once those charges are filed, it's up to the, the U.S. attorney to, to prosecute those criminal charges. That's where the deception and deceit has been coming in, is that they have used the cloak of the uh, secrecy of the grand jury proceeding, which is a fact and has some reason for existence. They're using it as an excuse to completely uh, silence and obscure the fact that apparently nothing is being done. So uh, there is nothing about the filings which would limit us to them to prosecute only the 19 hijackers. In fact, it would be kind of a stretch for them to even attempt to do that based on those exhibits. Thank you, Bill. Let, let me take a, a leap sideways here and ask Michael in Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi. what's going on here? Well, Richard, this is uh, where my booth was located there on the grounds of the Wells Fest 2019 uh, festival, which was a music festival, Christian-based, uh, had children there all around. They had a children's pet parade. There was blues music on one side and country music on the other side, and and there were people walking all around uh in a kind of like in a circle where there were many booths and this is my booth as you see different shots of it that is just the way it wound up for me uh, like i said there were some really positive responses uh more positive than not and i was able to place if you see in that picture there there there's a magazine there the jackson free press i was able to post a lawyer's committee for 9-11 inquiry flyer the whole flyer i was able to buy that as an ad uh anyway you can see my things i have from ae 9-11 truth and the bobby McElvain act and those sorts of things that are very educational to people and uh that's just kind of how it went for me and i look really forward to, to doing that booth again at wells fest as soon as I can. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a great time. How many people came by? Oh, I, I, you know, I probably had maybe 25 or 30 people uh, appro actually approach me from 730 in the morning to about four in the afternoon. Uh, 
it, right. it, it went it went pretty well. Fantastic. All right, Gail, let's have the next question. All right. This question is from Mario. He asks, how can I wake up my wife about 9-11 truth? <laughs> let's go to Ziola for that one. Oh. Yeah, very, maybe, carefully. If you're, <laughs> very carefully. All right. Um, you know, bring in the levels, like, you know, baby steps. You don't want to overwhelm anyone. Uh, so, you know, start with the basics. And as you see the interest peaking, add add in the departments where they're they're questioning. If she's oh. questioning, oh well, what about this? Well, lean more towards that. There's a there's such a broad scope of information that can be gleaned from all the different communities, all the different uh, corp, you know, all of us in the community to answer questions. So I would say for him, kind of do some research on some things that he might think she would want to check into and make a little Q&A, kind of like how we do for shows and stuff and, and get ready to just kind of feed it to her, spoon feed it to her, because you can't, you can't give too much. It's, um, it can be overwhelming. You give a little bit, let them simmer on it. That's a good thing too. give her time in between each thing so she can think about it, formulate her questions and come back. The Maybe slow do drip it in three method. sessions. Yeah. Can I can I speak to that as well when Zayla finishes? Yes, uh, I would say also, uh, Mario, um, hello, and expose her to other ladies in the movement that are on board with this. And uh, maybe if she sees that more and more females are actually involved also, that might soften her up a little bit. <laughs> Matt, uh, how Female do you do touch. It? Ah, yeah, that's great. I love it. Matt, how do you do it in the elevator? In, in the elevator? Yeah. Some, somebody asked you a quick question. I see oh. you're a 9-11 truther. Uh, convince me. You got 60 seconds. How do you do it? I didn't know I was going to get this test, but here goes. Uh, <laughs> did, did, did you hear the good news? Well, what good news? Well, about the, the group of attorneys that have evidence that 9-11 was an inside job? Well, <laughs> no, I didn't know that. So, so then I just proceed. I said, yeah, there's, there's 60 different evidentiary or, evi ev uh, excuse me, 60 different exhibits of, of evidence that a group of attorneys brought to court and the court would not allow them to, not allow a grand jury to see them. You didn't hear about that? Oh, that's good. I love that. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, Chuck, how do you do barrels. it? What? He came out with both barrels. Both barrels. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Chuck, how do you do it? Um, I, I struggle with this, Mario. And um, <clears throat> let me just share a story that I was visiting my family, uh, my, my siblings. So we're all in our, in our late 50s and 60s. And, um, and, and I'm sharing just frankly, trying to normalize a, t a discussion about the 9-11 and that we don't have the truth about it and that um, the, the federal government hasn't been honest with us. I use, try to use you know, soft terms like this. Um, but my sister replied, and he says, well, you know, why do you pick at the wound? You know, why you're, you're picking at a scab, Chuck, is what she said to me. 
She's a smart person. (laughs) You know, it's like, whoa. And And the fact that she would use the scab metaphor means that she recognizes that it is a bit of a festering wound still Mm -hmm. in the country. So, you know, I I don't think there's a simple, there is no simple answer to the very difficult question of how do we share this information and, and, you know, and and do we necessarily share it with family would be nice if family would um, join us in our, in our searching and our our position. But, um, you know, we do have to break through this because, um, and we do have to normalize speaking about something atrocious. And that's why I kind of like the metaphor of the Thomas Merton, the unspeakable, because we are asking people to consider something unspeakable. Um, and, and I think, I think the simplest way is to simply take the position that we're not being told the truth and that we need to be, we need to know the truth about not just 9-11, but other column scad state crimes against our democracy, because if we don't break through on this, uh, then the country really is going down the tubes. And so there could be some moral imperative uh, that can be shared and emphasized. Oh, oh, that could be helpful. Michael, how about you? Um, I struggle with this too, Richard. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I've, I've, got, I've gotten to the point to where I will ascertain someone and find the right opportunity to say something about 9-11. And when I get that opportunity, I'll just, man, my phone phone's ringing. I'll just say, hey, did you know we were lied to about 9-11? And then whatever they say to that, I'll say, yeah, it's come out that the buildings were actually blown up with some kind of explosives. And uh, Captain Dan Hanley and some other experienced pilots say the planes were likely remote controlled because if, you, uh, if you're not trained to fly a large aircraft, you, you can't do it. You know, so I, I just say that, you know. I mean, you know, I mean, they got to come to that realization sometime. Do I want them to think about it for a year and then let it go? Or do I want to try to hand them a card and see if they can prove me wrong? Or, you know, I I mean, I don't know if that's the best method, but I've done that quite often in the last couple of years, especially. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that, that that's that's awesome. By the way, what what I. What I like to do is I say, did you know a third tower fell on 9-11? Or if, you know, you can can introduce it. Uh, If it's in an elevator and you're just like gung-ho to talk to somebody just to see what comes back, you can say, hey, I got a question for you. I just learned something. Did you know a third tower fell on on 9-11? And uh, they, it, it, um, it's a real opener because most of them don't, especially architects and engineers. We're like the most oblivious group. Bill, last word before we close. Um, what do you do to wake people up uh, uh, that, that you only got uh, 30 seconds? <laughs> Not two minutes, but 30 seconds. <laughs> Oh, Bill, you're, you're on mute. Sorry. Uh, let's start over. Yeah. 
I focus on the the question of the, the government couldn't do something so awful, and the government would uh, would never lie to us that badly it would have come out. I just talk about the Afghan war. <laughs> I mean, to deal with that, you know, if, if people can. The Washington Post came out with a thing a year and a half ago that said we'd been lied to for 19 years in every respect about the Afghan war. And how much did we spend? Two trillion dollars. If you if you were happy with that and you let that go, you know. What do you expect on any other stories? You need to be skeptical of the government and you should never use those as excuses for anything. Then with that in mind, just go look at the facts and see what uh, what you come up with. And I would refer them to your materials after that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, thank you. Uh, that is fantastic. And, and everybody, I'm so grateful to you. Uh, Ziola Moon, Trina Maria, Bill Jacoby, Chuck Fall, Mike Atkinson, Matt Van Slyke, uh, it's been an incredible couple hours. I'm so grateful. We're going to have to wrap it up right now and let each of you go because we went over our time so we could get in those last words. Um, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, thank you Richard, from all of us. Thank you. Uh, Chuck, what did you want to say? Oh, just yep. thank you. Beautiful show, uh, Richard. Thanks for having, having us. Oh. Thank you, Richard and Gail. Yes. Thank, thank you, Mike. Richard. And we'll yeah. see you. Well, thank you, guys. We'll thank see you. you. Thank you, Bill. We're letting go, Gail, Hi. of each one of them. Matt, I thank you for instigating that. this. There he goes, flying <laughs> away. They're all gone, Gail. Uh, yes. What are. did you think? That was amazing. I loved having that group format with all the different input. And, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And it, what it, a powerful it group great. of activists. Mm. You know, I'm feeling a whole lot more hope right now, Gail. Yes. Um, with people like that on our side, mm -hmm. uh, they're just going out and they're, 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 they're turning over the dirt. They're doing the work in the trenches. And, yeah. and that's what's needed. They're, they're digging into the public unconscious and exposing the truth to them. Yeah. There, there were uh, where I, I've enjoyed and, and have had terror being. <laughs> so I, I, I understand uh their drive. You got one too, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Boy, it's just, I cannot really um, do justice to explaining how important it is that we all do our part. You know, I can go on and on. It's just my opinion, but, but really truthfully, anything that matters to any of us individually, we need to speak out about because if we don't, who will? And that's, you know, really the, um, the focus, I think, on for all, for all of us in the 9-11 Truth Movement is that we need to do our part. We need to make that effort. And mm. I'm so grateful for all of those of you out there who are doing that. It takes it takes a village. Yes. It takes a village, and we're gonna we're gonna create a bigger village. We got one already. There's millions in the 9-11 Truth Movement, yes. but uh, we're gonna do everything we can, Gail and I, uh, to create a bigger one. And with that said, here's what uh, the final message from Gail. Thank you for joining us on yet another informative and soul-stirring episode of Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed. We'll be on the air again next week with another very special guest in the 9-11 Truth Movement and beyond. Visit us at richardgage911.org where you can find our schedule, learn about the WTC evidence, and of course, sign up for our emails and support us. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. 